1: RealFaith.org.au Once we qualified for the Grand Final on the way home, driving back to home after qualifying, I had a huge fear, attack of uh, anxiety about the worst-case scenario happening the week after. And in that moment then decided it had to be faith that helped me overcome the fear that was, that was waving through my body. And Philippians 4.13 become the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that I meditated on all week long. And I, I say to people, I literally put it on the back of the toilet door even so that everywhere I went, I would have that scripture.
0: Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life, and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Our guest today is Sean Hart. He's the head
2: of development for the Gold Coast Suns and a former AFL player. But today we're going to talk to him and a friend of his about the topic of suicide prevention. Sean, welcome to the program.
1: Uh, thanks, Eric. It's great to be on your program. Glad to have you with us. And if someone's
2: listening today and is not familiar with your background, could you please fill
1: them in? Certainly. My, uh, my life's been certainly involved in uh, AFL football. Uh, as a young person, I had a dream of being a rich and famous footballer one day and following my heroes in the AFL. Uh, I was a Richmond supporter for those who do know the AFL. Uh, and so yeah. I grew up wanting to be uh, like my heroes, to be honest. And, um, and uh, that was my uh, that was the start of an early part of my life, chasing that dream. And your dream came true. It absolutely did, yeah. As a, an 18-year-old, I, I got drafted into the AFL. Funny enough, though, it wasn't a Richmond, my team. It actually was to the Brisbane Lions, which meant I needed to hop on a plane, leave my family, and move 2,000 kilometers away to a uh, different place. And uh, as an 18-year-old, that was exciting, but it was also quite frightening at the time.
2: And then you reached the pinnacle of success, or you were part of the team that did, when uh, your team won the Premiership in 2001 through 2003?
1: Correct. After three years of finishing on the bottom of the ladder in my early part of my career, uh, after 12, 13 and 14 years, we were able to be the uh, the champions of the league, the Premiership team in 2001, 2 and 3, uh, which was a significant finish really to, to my career, my playing days and uh, it was uh, one of those uh, periods in time where uh, where things were uh, really terrific in terms of performing and knowing what great team dynamic looks like.
2: Okay, well, it sounds like everything was rosy. I mean, your dream came true. You won premierships. But uh, we're chatting with you today about suicide prevention. Please fill us in. <laughs> Why are we talking about this topic?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, along the way, you know, to that first grand final that I was part of, uh, it took 12 years to get there. As I said, there was a lot of losses along the way that caused us to finish last, Uh, Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of lessons along the way as well through that period to get to the the high successes in sport. Uh, But but there was one particular time, uh, about four or five years into my career, where I experienced uh, an enormous uh, level of burnout, which led to quite a small, I call it a small depression, a six-week depression, uh, where Mm -hmm. I literally would go home from training and I'd jump in bed, pull the covers over my head. I just didn't want to face the world. In fact, I, I ended up for six weeks hating football and wanting to escape from the game and, wow. uh, and and make sure that I moved on to something else where I didn't have the pressure and the overbearing uh, day-after-day pressure of, of AFL football. i really come to a point where I just wanted to escape and do something different. Uh, and I went through a period where I was uh, significantly... Uh, Lacking in terms of being a physical athlete, I I normally was an incredibly fit, one of the fittest in the in the team. But I'd become a an athlete that just couldn't run for more than five minutes without being exhausted. Depression had really jumped upon me, and as I said, I was I was just stuck in in bed trying to escape and trying to change what I was doing desperately. And it was only through uh, the love of my uh, wife Linda and our football club chaplain Dean Davis that really I continued on a journey that was very painful, uncomfortable. I was able to come out of that um, and uh, get rid of the pain in my life, the emotional pain in my life at that time, and continue to uh, chase the dream that I'd I'd once had in in terms of AFL football. But it also helped me to realize uh, just how insignificant, really, football is in the scheme of what life's all about.
2: Now you mentioned your chaplain helped you overcome your depression. What was your faith like at that time?
1: Really a good question again. I was very young at the time I had uh, discovered the truth of Jesus Christ, but what I hadn't discovered was how to actually understand my faith and how to apply my faith, in. and, and I really hadn't had times of difficulty, to be honest. I'd grown up in a fantastic family, uh, which isn't necessarily the story of a lot of young people these days, but I've been blessed with that, blessed with uh, parents who put great values into me, but I really hadn't had to be resilient through anything, and so when my really first test of faith came, um, I must admit I, I really struggled to... To see things, uh, you know, uh, in the way that I needed to, and it had taught me incredible lessons at the time. But I was very young in faith uh, at the time. I had met and uh, understood the truth of Jesus Christ in my life just before that. Uh, but it was at a time when, when again, I uh, I found that the pressure of life and the pressure of expectation of a sporting achievement type of lifestyle was uh, was overbearing, and I desperately wanted to escape from it. But it went to teach me a lot of lessons uh, that would be incredibly fruitful uh, in terms of both sport and life since since those days.
2: Well, what are some of the things you learned from your chaplain and, and your growing faith?
1: I think uh, the encouragement of my chaplain at the time was that uh, as as bad as it seemed, he was able to give me a different perspective on it all and was able to help me to focus on what was important at that time to keep working and keep moving in faith through such a difficult time. Uh, and it's always different clearly for the person who's struggling with that difficulty. But one of the greatest things uh, in reflecting on it is the fact that someone can come alongside and actually, you know, they love you, you know, they want the best for you, but they can give you a really different perspective on the situation and they can help mm-hmm. you see the future because I think that's, yep. the, that's the challenge of seeing the hope for the future uh, looking back on it. Uh, and so he was able to do that for me and help me keep going back to training even though I didn't want to. I just wanted him to say, you know what, you can do anything else. Let's find something different for you to do. He refused to do that because he knew the dream in my heart. He knew uh, where I, I should be and helped me to, to stay there. So uh, that was an incredible lesson. What it also taught me, though, was the ability to understand when fear, when uh, failure, when all of those things hit, when uh, an attack on your identity hits, all of a sudden, how how does faith help you to step through and walk through the valley and out into some greater times? And And it was probably through the next few years that I then became a person who thought, "Oh, well, I have a strong faith and a strong belief in my purpose. It's all about who Jesus is and what he's done for me. Uh, and that that sport became less significant. But in fact, funny enough, because I was able to focus on a bigger picture of life, uh, mm-hmm. the pressure of sport started to reduce a bit. And I knew that I didn't have such a reliance on being able to achieve this goal that I'd had from when I was a young boy um, and this, this goal to be a rich and famous footballer, I knew I had a new identity uh, and yeah. I knew that faith was really now so important because I hadn't handled my first situation uh, in terms of my first challenge, uh, my faith really well, but I knew now why faith was so important and I was able to apply my faith and, and the truth of Jesus Christ to the situations I was to face from there. Probably the, the, the story to finish off uh, the learning that I took from that first time where I suffered that Mm -hmm. little depression was coming into grand final day in 2001. After 12 years again, I had a massive attack of fear of failure, of personal fear of failure and and team failure as well. About a week out, once we qualified for the grand final on the way home, driving back to home after qualifying, I had a huge fear attack of uh, anxiety Mm -hmm. about the worst case scenario happening the week after and I, in that moment, then decided it had to be faith that helped me overcome the fear that was that was waving through my body. And, and I, Philippians 4.13 become the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that I meditated on all week long. And I, I say to people, I literally put it on the back of the toilet door even so that everywhere I went, I would have that scripture in my eyes and I'd be able to read it and I'd be able to get it inside of myself and, and know that that was the truth of God for the, the challenge that lie ahead for me, no matter what. Um, I can, I can do what I needed to do under the, the greatest pressure I would be on, under as a, as a sports person the next week. I got to that game. I've never felt so strong and so ready to play. And uh, as the day unfolded, of course, I was to play one of my, my best games in AFL football in my whole career on the, on the wow. big stage. So, so it was a real lesson of the reality that the word of God and the faith in Jesus and in his love for us and his passion and his purpose for us uh, will always see us through the times that come to challenge us.
2: Yeah, isn't it a kind of interesting paradox that when sports becomes not the most important thing in your life and it becomes less important, that it allows you to play better?
1: Yeah, that 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 is a reality for me as I spoke about. It. There's no doubt when you load yourself up with pressures that don't really speak to the whole even, – even the fact of the love of God – and, and understanding that releases the pressure from this pursuit of trying to be someone or do something, you know, achieve something. It's uh, when we can find our identity just in the fact that God loves us and and values mm-hmm. us, regardless yep. of what we do. We um, we can be so so free. And and in fact, when I came to receive Jesus Christ as my personal saviour. The most exhilarating emotion I had right there was was a freedom that I'd never experienced before, and have never, never known anything to match that. Um, I encourage people who are listening that that is the reality of knowing the truth and, and receiving the truth of Jesus Christ in their life. That's
2: right. So when you were in last place, God loved you just as much as when you won the premiership.
1: Very good. That's exactly what it was. I just didn't know it at the time.
2: From worst to first, he doesn't care. He loves you no matter what. And that just gives you a confidence that, hey, I'm going to try my best. But if it doesn't work out, if I have a panic attack and freeze and can't do anything, he still loves me. So that's okay.
1: Uh, very good. Exactly.
2: Okay. And you also mentioned that your wife was very supportive through it all.
1: Yeah, no doubt. She uh, she actually was the one who was incredibly influential in me coming to faith. She was a Christian as well mm-hmm. herself uh, when I met her. And, yeah, she's just been incredible, incredible lover of, uh, of of our family and, uh, and supporter of me along the journey I wish I'd been able to give her as much as she's given me to be honest but she uh, mm-hmm. she's just a she's an amazing woman and, and through that time I know that she understood my desire to, to get away from the pressure but uh, certainly she continued to support me and help me through that and to be able to step into a place where I become a much stronger man in my faith with some testimony to be able to share with others and help them uh, on their journey. Our guest today
2: is former AFL player Sean Hart sharing his story and about some of the mental health issues that he had battled in his younger days. We're going to take a break and when we return, we'll hear about a topic that is near and dear to Sean's heart and that is suicide prevention. Also, Sean will introduce us to a friend of his named Jeanette Abdo. She has a mental health story all her own. That and more when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au You're listening to Real Faith
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guest today is former AFL player Sean Hart, who's been sharing with us quite openly about some struggles he had with depression when he was a player. Next, Sean will introduce us to a friend of his named Jeanette Abdo, who has a mental health story of her own.
1: We've met uh, Jeanette Abdo, and uh, and her story is incredible uh, and uh, very inspirational.
2: And at this point, we want to welcome to the program, Jeanette. Jeanette, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you.
2: Glad to have you with us. And before we chat a little bit more with you, Jeanette, Sean, can you kind of tell the story of how you and your wife met Jeanette?
1: Yes, yeah, certainly can. Jeanette's story, just to give a little bit of uh, background, uh, as she'll talk a bit more about it in a sec, but she, she is a, a suicide survivor. Uh, she had battled with depression for uh, 15 plus years in her life. She's a, a mother of four children. Uh, married but found herself in an incredibly tough place. That has resulted uh in her being disabled. Uh she's uh, in a in her wheelchair today. Um and she, you know, again, as you listen to her talk, she um has a little challenge in being able to communicate as, as clearly as what she'd like to, but she certainly has the message inside of her that she wants people mm-hmm. to hear. Um so we we met Jeanette and my wife um cares for Jeanette and uh, her uh, daily living and uh, and all that she needs there and uh, and they formed a fantastic friendship jeanette and uh, and Linda, my wife spoke about Jeanette's passion to be able to put an event on to be able to raise funds to be able to really speak life into people who who are finding themselves in her situation or to prevent people from being in her situation and uh, and so we uh, just were inspired by her own story which she will share in a minute and and wanted to actually get alongside her and help her to uh, to do the things that maybe um, she couldn't do on her own, uh, but she's certainly uh, an incredibly inspiring woman given what she's, she's dealing with at the moment in her own life. Uh, her ability to do things and to open doors of opportunity to raise funds to support people in need has been inspirational.
2: Okay, well, at this point, Jeanette, tell us what was life like before your suicide attempt?
3: Four beautiful children, I worked 18 to 20 odd days a week doing cake decorating and that finally took a toll on me when I attempted to suicide in 2006.
2: And then, if I understand correctly, your doctor asked you to take some medication, is that right?
3: Because when I was going through depression I went to my GP who prescribed me antidepressants but thought I was too strong to take them and didn't take them.
2: So you didn't take the antidepressants?
3: Big mistake that was.
2: Mm-hmm. And then what happened?
3: When I took 100 norepinephrine, I actually was found two days later and I woke up with severe disabilities had no eyesight, no voice as well was paralysed from the neck down. My children were taken away from me so where my finances and all I wanted was someone to hug me to tell me it was okay.
1: What she was mm-hmm. talking about was uh Was taking a whole lot of tablets, was uh, what she she eventually did. And and for two days, she was uh, undiscovered in terms of being, you know, having tried to take her life. Um, So, being then on three months of life support, it's just a miraculous story and a story of inspiration to why now she wants to devote her life to making sure other people don't have to go through what the pain and suffering that she's been through herself.
2: And what role has faith played in your healing?
3: When I just come out of a coma, my brother and his pastor had actually come to my bedside. I gave my heart to the Lord, and I was actually very stressed and heartbroken before I became a Christian. Now I have the same problems, but I've learned to deal with them a lot better. And I do believe it's God who's given me the strength to keep going.
2: Amen. So God has given you the strength to keep going. And now you and Sean and his wife Linda are teaming up to do some wonderful things so that other people won't go through it, what you went through. Is that right?
3: That's right. I do not want other people to do the same thing.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story, and we just want to encourage you in what you're doing to help bring awareness and to help other people from going through what you went through and the pain and the heartache that you went through. I think we'll wrap up today's conversation. Sean, can you tell us about what are some of the things that you, your wife Linda, and Jeanette are doing to help prevent suicide?
1: Uh, with Jeanette, uh, Linda and I are hoping to raise awareness as much as we possibly can, and raise funds to support programs that will mm-hmm. uh, help change lives. To be honest, and save lives, and uh, that's that's our whole passion. Together, we want to help uh, Jeanette realise a dream to be able to, to be able to help those be uh, able to avoid the things that uh, that almost took her life.
2: I'm just wondering, on a personal level, what impact Jeanette and her story had on you and your wife.
1: A really good question. I, I think it's heightened my awareness about the issue. It's not that we don't hear daily about people and, and this whole area of mental health or emotional health It could also be referred to, but mm-hmm. when you hear a story like Jeanette's uh, and you realise the magnitude of the pain that people are going through, and then you consider your own life and the things you get caught up in worrying about, yeah, you realise that there's a much bigger mission that... That we can be part of, and so Mm -hmm. for me, it was a real. Every day, you get awakened by stories of people, uh, inspirational stories of what people have been through and uh, and what they've learnt, and how that can influence other people's lives. I'm really big into into leading and influencing other people, and uh, and I think uh, the inspiration that Jeanette's brought to Linda and I has helped us to be aware that uh, if we're people of faith, and if we're people that truly know the love of God, then then there's a big world out there full of people who are suffering from depression and suicide, and and we need to share the love of Jesus Christ with these people and and devote our lives to doing it, to reaching people and to helping them work through the pain that they're suffering and, and to know their true identity in Christ and to know freedom in Christ.
2: And before we end today, we just want to ask Jeanette and also Sean, if somebody's listening today and they've had some experiences with depression, what advice would you give them?
3: Give the person sitting right next to you a good hug and ask them if they're okay, get into a conversation and uh, tell them what you're going through.
1: I think as well, Eric, we need to become really good at being able to see body language and understand body language, (laughs) know the people that we're connected to and really be able to pick up on signs where something's changed, Mm. something's different. And then from there for me... We need to be able to identify the right questions to be able to ask people as well because, like Jeanette says, we, we need to put our arms around people and ask, are you okay? But there's still sometimes a sense where that's just, they've just said yes just to, just to finish the sentence in a way. So sometimes yeah. it's about asking or, or saying something like, do you know what, I've noticed there's been a change in, in your body language, something's happening for you, I, I'm not convinced everything's okay, can, can we go and can you share with me and I just want to make sure... Uh, so finding the right questions to ask people to m- make sure that they're not just walking away having covered up something that's actually going on because uh, a lot of the time through shame and through all sorts of things, we won't talk. So we mm-hmm. need to be people who are become experts at being able to understand the people around us when changes happen and the right questions to be able to ha- get to the conversations and get to the depth of the emotional pain of the people around us.
2: And of course, as you said earlier, if you can understand, not just in your head, but in your heart, that your Heavenly Father loves you no matter what, and you can cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you, that takes a whole lot of stress and burden out of your life. Amen to that. So there's practical things you can do, but also it depends on what you believe, especially what you believe about how God feels about you, and He loves you, and He wants the best for
1: you. Yeah, so true. So true, Eric. Uh, That's that's ultimately where we'd like people to to find their identity and to find their freedom which we know is really the only true place to find true freedom Uh, and uh, I I just think as Christians who know the saving grace of Jesus Christ the the greatest thing we can do is just keep our eyes really sharply peeled for people around us who who, like Jeanette said need a hug, need the love Mm -hmm. of Christ and need a, a solution to some of the pain that they're going through.
2: Thank you so much for sharing with us today, both Sean Hart and Jeanette Abdo.
3: Nice to be here. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Our guests today have been former AFL player Sean Hart and also his friend, suicide survivor, Jeanette Abdo. As we heard, both of them are very passionate about preventing suicide. So if you're listening today and you're doing it tough make sure you follow the advice that Jeanette and Sean have shared with us and reach out and talk to someone. One number that you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week is Lifeline at 131-114. That's 131-114. That's Lifeline, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 131-114.
0: You've been listening to Real Faith and if you have any questions or comments you can send us a message through our website realfaith.org.au That's realfaith.org.au Thanks for listening and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life and real faith.